Well, good morning. Breakfast at the Broker every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. We have another amazing guest. And without further ado, and now, by way of Bunker Raton, Florida, he is the Chief Operating Officer at Location Real Estate. He's the first Vice President of the Broward Public and St. Lucie Realtors Association. He's a husband, a father, a baseball coach. He likes long walks on the beach, and he looks good in a cowboy hat. Stand up and make some noise for Jonathan Lickstein. That's got to be the best <laughs> intro I've ever gotten, by well, far. Well, thank you. I love that. Can I keep that for my bio? Of course. I like it. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll come around and uh, anytime you want to say, hey, intro, and I'll just give you the intro. Everybody needs a hype guy. I feel yeah. like everyone needs an intro from a hype guy to come out and kind of set the tone <laughs> and really, you know, take the crowd from zero to hero. Well, 100%. And I, uh, I, I aim to please. <laughs> so, uh, listen, I mean, you're in obviously a, a lot of leadership uh, positions, um, you know, with your company, um, real estate in South Florida, and, and, and you're in how many states now? Uh, we're in six right now, opening a seventh in the next 30. Great. Awesome. Um, tell me a little bit about your leadership journey, you know, just from, you know, um, how you got into real estate and, you know, where, you know, how that led you to this place that you're in a chief operating officer at location. You know, it, it's funny. I constantly ask people about their origin stories and <laughs> I never really tell mine. Right. So I appreciate that question. Um, I started in real estate a little bit unconventional compared to other people's uh, experiences. So I was traveling internationally at a semester off of college. Um, unfortunately tore a tendon in my ankle. This is what kind of uh, caused all of this travel. And I went to visit a family member, my mother. Yeah. She's going to love that shout out. Uh, in Central America, an island off the coast of Honduras called Roatan. Huge scuba diving capital. Cruise ships go there. It's, it's fantastic. Beautiful. Don't live there, but visit. <laughs> so I went down there, and on my second day there, I, I met a girl um, who's, who's now my wife, mother of my three kids. Hi, Johanna, if you're listening. And uh, anyhow, so I met her. I stayed there. I was vacationing on semesters between transferring schools. And um, I said, you know what? Living on a paradise island is not such a bad deal. So let me see if I can make this work. And I was working in a restaurant at the time. And next door was this small boutique real estate company. And the guys used to come over for lunch every single day, sit at my counter, eat the sandwich that I created on the menu. And sitting there talking to the guys, uh, Mike Carter was a huge role model for me in the beginning. I said, Mike, um, do you know anybody? I need to try and find a real job because I want to live here. He said, come talk to me. Wait, real estate's a real job? Well, it, there it was. So I started there. <laughs> Anyways, I went to go interview with Mike, and he hired me that Friday, and I started in property management and vacation rentals. So that was the corner. And like any realtor, if you were asking about property management, you were asking about long-term rentals, everybody on that island would hand you my card and say, this is the guy you have to talk to. And that's really how I started. From there, got my real estate license. It was a really difficult task in Honduras to do. $35 and 15 minutes later, <laughs> I had a real estate license. And that's where I started, selling vacation homes, second home investments in a Caribbean island in shorts and flip-flops. It wasn't really a bad gig. Um, that transitioned up here. And coming here, found a great opportunity with a small boutique company at that time, uh, which has transitioned into what location is today. I've been there for 12 years. But when you talk about leadership, it comes in different aspects. The location aspect was really putting in the time, putting in the effort, and, and caring. Uh, and just hit the time right, and that company grew very well. Uh, on the other side, with the association, it starts with somebody asking. And 
the first person who asked if it wasn't for the old school elections we used to have where uh, individuals would campaign and ask for your vote to get elected into their presidency, I probably wouldn't be involved right now. Um, what I mean by that is someone was campaigning, Bonnie Metviner, to be the Fort Lauderdale president. Mm-hmm. She came around, visited our office, and I really had no idea about association structure. I had no idea what the association did, what RPAC was, anything at that time. And I had been in the industry for, I don't know, eight years at that point, nine years at that point, and just didn't know. So she came in and asked, and I volunteered. She said, I'll help you get on a committee. I started on grievance, and boom, that was the end. Continued to grow, continued to get more involved, and it's been fulfilling. Not only giving back and having that positivity and and that feeling of, of giving back to an industry that's given so much to my family and my life, but there's there's intangible benefits as well. Creating a larger network. Every real estate agent wants to create a network, and as a broker, being at the association has helped me meet more people, help me be out there and kind of create that matchmaking aspect of the real estate industry without having to really put too much effort forth to do so. Yeah. I mean, speaking of like the real job, right? The real job is really expanding your network and increasing your database and getting involved in, you know, and and it could be leadership in, it doesn't have to always be leadership, but it could be involvement in community uh, structure or uh, community events or community organizations or, you know, a myriad of things, right? Um, You have to have things that are more fulfilling, like you said, or more rewarding than just trying to make a dollar because True. you know um you know the dollar really really has no intrinsic value right there's a piece of paper and that's backed by a, a few things and you know it basically funds the things that you really want to do you it's know it's got value though <laughs> it, it does have well value. <laughs> you know i mean it's got value because it funds the 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 events that you want to do or the you know you want to bring your family on trips or you want to buy a nice car or whatever the may, may be but you know in, in the sense of you know, it's a piece of paper, you know, that is being used to fund the things that you really want to do. I always and, say life is about experiences. Mm-hmm. So whatever money that we make funds the experiences that make our life what it is. Sure. Yeah, so, yeah. absolutely. So, you know, you got into real estate um, and, uh, you know, you really, built, you know, helped build a, a very successful company. What was it? It was K Real Estate, was it? Uh, it started as the K Company of the K Realtors. Company. And right. then we got threatened by NAR because we were using Realtors as the name. Oh, yeah. So we had to change that. It became the K Company Realty. And that evolved after we became confused so many times. We used to get checks for the Kai's company oh, yeah. as the K Company. and. We, when we had a seller come in the front door one day and try and cancel a listing, 25 minutes later figured out it was a Kai's company listing, not a K company listing. People confuse that all the time. That was just the final straw. And we said, hey, uh, this isn't our brand who we are anymore. And now we're being confused with another company. We're big enough that we're being confused with them. It, it's it's time to make a switch to who we are today. Oh, I love it. That's where location no, came from. No, it's great. And, um, you know, as far as real estate, what makes a good realtor? I don't really think there's a perfect mix that makes the right realtor. I used to think so. I used to think it was that personality that was, hey, look at me, somebody that everybody wanted to be around. It's kind of that social personality in the middle of a room that everyone kind of wanted to talk to. But lately, I've been doubting that more and more. Um, I had a conversation with a guy last week who's completely introverted, kind of, I hate to say awkward, but at first meeting, he's kind of awkward. But yet this guy is super successful in Colorado and California and real estate, and he just connects with people 
because he really connects with people, not because he says, hey, look at me, or he's flashy, or shows that lifestyle, or anything like that. So the perfect realtor starts with somebody who cares. A, a consumer can really tell if you're being authentic or genuine, uh, or if you're completely full of it, and therefore the dollar, like you were talking about before. It, it's very obvious to a consumer when that happens. So it, being authentic and being your true self and being comfortable being yourself, I think is the basis of any type of relationship-based business. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard too because you know you look at what 1.6 million realtors in uh, the National Association of Realtors, and you really, you know, and and 52 percent of them don't do a single transaction in a year. So is, is it that low? I, I honestly, I thought it was higher than that. Well, 66 percent do three or less. Okay, so I mean, you know, you talk about 34 percent do four or more. I mean, you know. How can realtors or how can the profession, the realtors that use this as a profession and as a career, how can they set themselves apart when the rest of them may be bringing us down? Well, you think about 1.6 million and taking those numbers down, right? 66% have done less than four transactions. I consider somebody a part-time agent until they're doing at least one transaction a month. When you're, when you're hitting 12 deals a year, okay, you can consider this an actual career that you've been building and you're going to continue to build. So how can somebody differentiate themselves? 1.6 million members. How many people do we have in the United States? Uh, 360 million or something ridiculous. Exactly. There's plenty of business <laughs> to go around. Right. So you can differentiate yourself really just by being you. There's people out there that like you for your genuine self I can't say that there's anyone that I know that genuinely has zero friends or zero people that would talk to them. So everybody I can, can think of a few people that, that I don't know why they have friends or how they have friends, but, but, but they still have friends. Yeah, they still have people that I don't know if they like them, but they still hang around with them. Even the biggest jerk. I'm not going to say any other words like that, but the biggest what jerk. What asshole. <laughs> right, oh, we could do that. Here, yeah. right? So you could be the biggest a-hole and right. still have friends. Yep. I mean, you think about it. Look, think back in your life, people that you just came across and you're like, God. That guy's an a-hole. Right. He's a jerk. Why do I want to talk to him? But then you turn around and he's got a bazillion friends and people they socialize with. That's still someone who can do well in real estate, even though they're not nice. Well, it's like the old adage, a jerk win, always wins, right? Bad guys, bad guy, uh, nice guys finish last, yeah, right? Yeah. But that's not the case. I feel everybody can find their path in real estate Agreed. regardless. But if you look at real estate and, and you look at the, I mean, the top echelon of realtors, um, you know, the top producers or whatever. You know, and, and you look at it and you go, you know, and a lot of them are assholes, but they are, their, their systems are better than the, yeah, and, and their work ethic is better. And, um, the way that they maneuver and, and challenge really a lot of the obstacles that come before them, you know, the way they, they respond is better. And, you know, and they, they have a larger network. So really, you know, when we talk about, you know, what makes a successful realtor and, and that's defined by, you know, whatever you want, but it really is whoever is, has the biggest network of people that are most like you or most, you know, or the target audience that you want to have, those are the ones that are going to make the most amount of money. What do they say? Your network is your net worth. That's true. That's absolutely. So you hit a couple points right there that I think are, are vital characteristics of a successful agent uh, or broker, regardless. Organization and work ethic. 
you may not like the work that you're doing, but if you like the result that comes from the work that you're doing, you're going to do it anyways if you have that work ethic. So organization is the follow-up. It's keeping everybody categorized because you, you meet so many people and create this massive network, especially that top 1% you talked about. Uh, you create such a massive gathering of contacts that it's impossible. It is literally impossible to know everything and anything about those people and make them feel like you do. Mm. So utilizing organization, a CRM, a really good CRM, that's kind of like your right side of your brain. Um, anytime you meet somebody, anytime you learn something, you're throwing that information into the CRM because you can leverage all of that information for follow-up. You can leverage that information when you're going into a conversation with that person, when they call you, have it pop up on your phone. There's many different aspects. And if that person feels like you have a connection, you remember specific personal things about them, especially when you have a large public persona, it's even more powerful. Yeah, and I think the mistake that a lot of realtors make, especially when they become successful, is they don't treat their business like a business. And so, you know, ultimately a business is where, you know, I'm the CEO of my company or CEO of a of a you know, a team or whatever you want to call it. And I could be an individual, but you know, I'm the CEO, you know, if I could step away from that and I have the systems in place and I could step away from my business for three months, six months, a year and come back and it's working as, as, as good or better than when I left it. That's a business. That's a saleable business too. And you know, when we talk about succession plans and all these other different things that realtors, you know, are, are really, really bad at, um, you know, that's the thing that, you know, people really should use as a goal as opposed to, you know, trying to be the biggest and baddest uh, ones out there. Having the right systems and the uh, that can automate a lot of the things that we need to automate, um, I think is huge. A, lo- a lot of that has to do with the initial setup, the infrastructure of their business to begin with. Sure. I mean, you think about it, if, if I had the Jonathan Lickstein team and I grow and I could be the most organized, hardest work ethic, I could have the best agents on my team. But at the end of the day, when I'm done, it's done. It's not something that I could sell off or monetize, really, uh, realistically speaking. Like, let's say you wanted to take on my book of business or you wanted to take on my client list. When I'm gone, people always want to speak with the person who's the name on the team. Jonathan sure. Lickstein team, they want to speak with Jonathan Lickstein. Anything less, they're really not going to have that that type of impact. So when setting up that business at the beginning, it should have been named the Palm team or sunny South Florida team, whatever it might be. Because when you take out the piece at the top that may have built it, that team is still the same. They're maintaining their brand. They're still running. And that creates somewhat of a um, quantifiable business that you could then sell off at the end. Like, like you think insurance, Mm -hmm. right? When, when an insurance broker sells off their book of business, it's residual income that's still coming in. It's not named after that person. And the people with those policies really don't remember who they bought it through. Sure. And, and that's kind of the concept behind it. When building a team, building some type of structure like that, use something that doesn't involve your own name as your name is going to be a detriment in the end to your ability to monetize that on the, on the succession plan as well as your day-to-day operation. Let's talk about challenges, um, specifically for brokers. So I think one of the, the – um, you know, the biggest issues is that, you know, that brokers face now is it used to be a broker centric model, right? 
you know, agent comes in, they, you know, they, they put their license with you. It's 50, 50, you know, they go out and get the business. You get 50% of whatever they make. And, and, you know, we're all rosy. Um, obviously that's not, those were the good old days. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's not the case anymore. Um, and you know, so then what do we do? We, we, we transitioned, we went to ancillary services. So, and endorsed services providers, but now with the, I would say in the last three to five years with the teams being, you know, allowed to have fictitious names, you know, whether it be, you know, like you said, the South Florida sunny team or whatever else, you know, they're treating themselves as a brokerage. So they're taking away some of the ancillary services because they're getting benefits from, you know, and I'm not trying to say incentives or whatever you want to call it, but they're, they're, you know, they're getting, um, you can, you can call them incentives. Yeah. They're just sponsors. Don't it, just don't call them KBs. No, no, no they're not kickbacks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, um, but yeah, I mean the sponsor, you know, they use the sponsors, they use, you know, a lot of the ancillary services, um, to get the benefit rather than the broker. Right. Um, how does a broker survive in today's climate? And you can survive in any type of climate. It just depends on what you're giving versus what you're getting, right? So when you go into more of the the models that we're seeing nowadays, you're seeing a lot of uh, reduction in the amount of commission that the company keeps. Uh, and there's different ways that you can kind of spread that around and still give the benefits and the tools to the agents without actually having to go out and hit the broker's bottom line before the money's coming in. So I'll give you an example, what we've done. Um, at location, we're a flat fee model. You can either pay a monthly fee and a flat transaction fee or no monthly and a, and a higher transaction fee. But what we've done is taken away all of the, the garbage, right? Let's say you have a 300 agent firm and the company goes out and offers free websites to every agent. They offer free mobile apps, et cetera, et cetera, all these types of things, all these benefits and tools that make the agent want to join that company. Out of those 300 agents, probably 50 of them are actually using it. So 250 of those licenses are being wasted, thrown in the garbage. And when you're spending 300 licenses, especially on like a website, let's say it's costing you $50 a month, 50 times 250, that is wasted money. That's, what is that, 1250 or $12,000? $1,250 roughly, that you're just wasting every single month on those agents not utilizing it. What we've done is kind of a uh, have it your way. We'll go with a little McDonald's, right? That was McDonald's, have it your way. Um, Burger King. That was Burger King? I think so. I don't know. Okay. Well, one of those. We're going to go with Greasy Cheeseburger. Yeah, yeah, I like those. (laughs) So we've created the have it your way kind of model where you come in and your commission is the base, period. You pick your plan that you want for your commissions. Any benefit or tool that you want, yeah, there are some that are complimentary, and those are obviously low overhead. But the ones that they want, they could either use our website or use anybody's website. It's up to them. Of course, they get a hefty discount through ours because we've thrown that volume around. Um, I'll give you an example. KB Core. You go out as an individual agent, go get KB Core, $500 a month. Brutal. That's brutal. Mm-hmm. But it's one of the big three, and that's probably the cheapest one you're going to find out there. What was it? Commission Zinc, Boomtown, and KB Core. Yep. Right? We've taken that around and said, have it your way. If you want this website, we're crowdsourcing this together, and you can have it for 50 bucks, 10% of the price, Right. What is that costing us? They're covering our expense. So really, it's costing us nothing. The agents that want it, as we have more, increase the license allotment, and then offer it to more people. Still zero on the bottom line. So that is one of the ways that a broker can be a little bit more intelligent or calculated about how they're offering benefits. 
And again, out of 3,400 realtors, I have less than 500 on that. So it, it's just, they are not all going to use it. There's not one size fits all on a real estate agent's tools and what they're going to utilize. Sure. So it's, it's have it your way. Build your own box, your own brokerage structure in a box, how they want it. So how retail brokers can do that is same thing. What if there was a way where all these retail brokers that might have five to a hundred agents could come together and leverage technology like a 5,000 agent firm? How cool would that be? Right. That's happening. Yeah, no, sure. That's my goal this year. Yeah. I mean, listen, you know, um, collaboration is is a huge deal. Um, you know, it used to be that we were all competing against each other, right? And we are still competing. Don't get me wrong. Yes, but, no. but you know, but we're also collaborating for the better of the consumer and the industry, and um, and we're just making it better. Um, what do you think? It is, it, you know, for whether and you can pick either broker or agent. What do you think the biggest challenge or obstacle in the next three years uh, to a broker and or a agent would be? Ooh, that's a that's a deep question. <laughs> it's a deep question. I'm gonna have to go to my my evening radio voice for this one. Uh, no, so for for a broker, it's uh, challenging models and the new flashy toy that's showing in front of an agent that they think is the next greatest thing. When in reality, it's the same thing packaged differently. Sure, um, AI. You're you're paying. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm a big fan of AI. Oh, so am I, but but. But the way that they brand AI, this has been going on for years. We've we've seen you know um, CRMs be smarter, more intuitive. You know um, that's all AI is. It's just becoming a little bit more intuitive and smarter. And technology, the way that it, it continues to advance, but we hear AI and it's like, oh, this is a shiny object. I'm gonna have I that. I don't view that as a challenge, though. It's, a, it's no, no, a- it's not a challenge. I think it's I think it's just I I, I believe that. It, it it's just a great marketing tool that people look at and say, and, and it's a way to, for agents to, you know, because here, here's the thing. Agents are always, or the majority of agents um, don't change very quickly, right? Oh, so, that's true. <laughs> so, you know, when they go on TikTok and there's been, you know, the TikTok's been out since Musical.ly and all that kind of stuff, you know, for five to seven years or whatever the number is, you know, they're just starting TikTok now, right? They're just starting video now. They've always but, followed that trend. But it's ridiculous because you need to adopt new technology all the time and, and, and continue to innovate. What's, what's crazy is you need to adapt and bring in the new, but you can't forget the old, sure. right? What's been around longer than any Facebook, TikTok, or Instagram? Direct mail and, and, and door-to-door. and the first, the first social media kind of platform, what was that? YouTube. Oh yeah, yeah. People forget about YouTube now and YouTube's retooled and it's competing with Instagram reels. It's, it's still owned by the monster, AKA Google right. that, that indexes your website and drives traffic through your keywords. And it's now reading the keywords that you speak, even if you don't type them right. uh, with the captions and still indexing you through, through uh, the search engines. And you think about when someone goes on and an average consumer is going to look and ask questions about an area or a city or moving to a city, they still go to Google. Sure. You know, you're, you're not having somebody go onto Instagram and search hashtag move to Boca Raton and, ooh, this realtor had a posting. I'm going to contact that guy. That's that's not the way it works, right? So you can't forget about the old technologies. That That's funny. It's called old technology yeah. now. It hasn't even been 15 years out. Right. Um, it, YouTube became big in like the late 
2005, 2010 kind of era. And it's definitely resurged. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I think that um, when they kind of changed to where they're live YouTube TV and those kind of things. And, you know, um, you know, a lot of times when you do things, when you try and do things or too, too many things well, um, you don't do them all, you know, very well. 100%. And so now all of a sudden, you know, people are, have, have, have a negative connotation to, you know, live YouTube, right? Because, um, you know, when it first came out, you know, you know, what is it? Dump the cables or whatever. They, they, yeah, whatever. cut the cord. Cut the cord. That's cut right. the cord, yeah. You know, and, and so, you know, that was for a year and a half. And now it's like, well, everyone could cut the cord. I could go to Hulu. I could go, you know, I could go cheaper and yeah, other places. so many different and, services. And so, uh, you know, I think that that hurts some of their business model. And maybe it's a lesson for us in the future is that, you know, we need to make sure that we do what we do well and continue doing that rather than trying to do everything well. Right. So we, we kind of digress there for a second. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to challenges, yep. right? So what's been the popular kind of flashy dangled carrot in front of agents over the last couple of years? I'm going to say it's been stock options. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. And, and you look at where we are now in the marketplace, the agents that went over to these companies offering stock options, and I'm, I'm not just talking about the three-letter one, right? right? I don't know if I should mention brands. Anyways, so that well, one. No, I don't think there's anything wrong with mentioning, whether, you know, it's EXP or Real or uh, any of these um, that have offered ways for, you know, because they've gone after really the masses as opposed to some of the, you know, the top 10%. Now, they've gotten some of that too, but um, it gave someone an ability to have a succession plan. That's what they're selling. Right. No, 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 and that's, that's what they're that, selling. That was my lead up to. <laughs> in, in, I mean, in reality, you look at it right now and the agents that came in and they were buying stock and buying stock, reinvesting in, reinvesting in when things were hot. Where is that now? Like, right. look where the market is right now. What value does that have to them? I would rather have my $16,000 up front and spend it or invest it how I see fit than you tell me, okay, I'm paying you 16000 and then I can get some of it back, and I can buy more of it at a discount, but where does that leave me in the end? Yeah, you have this stock, but unless the stock in that one company is doing extremely well, you're same exact place where you started or worse off. And it, agents are taking that carrot and, and kind of just nibbling at it, realizing that it's not what they expected or it's not the experience they expected, and then shifting and going elsewhere, and they just wasted years of their career. Yeah, I I think that's the same with a lot of brokerages, right? So, like, you know, um, a lot of times they overpromise and underdeliver, and you know, um, you know, people, you know, or brokerages, you know, come out and say, "Hey, we're, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to give you lead generation. We're going to get all these different things and all these shiny product, you know, um, products, and they don't deliver what they, you know, they promise." True. So, you know, I think it's it's a lot of the listen. You know, in any of these companies, you know, if you're first in, you're killing it. You're killing crushing it. it crushing yeah. it. And oh, that's yeah. adopting early. Same 100%. Kind of concept. Right. Absolutely. So, um, you know, the next time another brokerage model comes in, we're all going to adopt early. Just <laughs> that's it. Dump the brokerage. We're going. We're going. That, that could be a new podcast. Dump the brokerage. <laughs> um, so I always... Um, well, one, one question, and then we'll go back. We'll go uh, to my last two questions. But uh, the first question, you know, we talk about leadership. We talked about um, the uh, Realtors Association and how you know it's important to be involved. 
And, you know, why is it important for a a real estate agent and or maybe a top producing real estate agent and or broker to be involved in the Realtors Association? What value do they provide? Massive. So there's different angles to look at that. Um, value to their own personal satisfaction and validation of what they're doing that you can automatically just assume that giving back and being involved and creating more of a network within the association, you feel like you're part of something bigger. The biggest issue with real estate is it's so hard to keep an agent individually motivated. You think about it, the vast majority of them work from home. They're going out with other consumers by themselves. They're constantly working alone. It's a very individualized industry. And when you come into leadership or volunteerism with the association, you're being part of a bigger group. You're not alone anymore. You're not out talking about the other guy that's farming in your neighborhood and stealing your listing. You're in a bigger environment where you can have an impact on a large scale. But on the other side is think about what we, what we talked about before, the 1.6 million realtors. 66% sold less than three or uh, 53 or less. I think something like that. Yeah. 66, um, three or less. 66 was three or less. So you're getting, you're whittling down those numbers more and more and more. And that 34% that differentiates themselves by doing more transactions. Think about the differentiation you have by being volunteer and involved and knowing what's happening, knowing what our pack does for homeowners that you can then regurgitate that information in a listing appointment or just in a, in a conversation at a networking event, a happy hour, an HOA meeting, anything, all of that information you're gathering just by being around and putting your time forward differentiates you with the consumer. But you're, you're only surrounding yourself with realtors that, that don't do any business, right? They only, they volunteer at the Realtors Association because they got nothing better to do. I challenge that. <laughs> I challenge that. There, there are people who are career volunteers sure. and you'll find that, but that's a, that's what drives them. And that's okay. You don't know what everybody's life situation is. Uh, there's a woman, I'm not going to mention her name and throw her out there, but she's been a volunteer for over 20 years and she doesn't really do any business, hasn't done any business in at least 12, 15 years, but she is in a financial situation where she doesn't have to and volunteering and staying engaged with the association. It's not ours. It's a different one, but staying engaged with the association gives her value and, and happiness in life because she's making friends through there. It doesn't have to turn into bottom dollars in, in your, in your pocket. It could just be the value for her is the satisfaction and, and the fulfillment that she's got a purpose every day. She's got something to do when she's financially taken care of. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, you know, I would say the biggest myth or misconception that I found within the Realtors Association being involved in it is that agents um, that are involved or brokers that are involved don't do any business. Some of our biggest brokers and our biggest agents, top producing agents, 50, 60, 70 million dollars are doing uh, a year um, are heavily involved, whether it's through Global, whether it's through YPN, whether it's through the Realtors Association and leadership committees and chairing and, and those kind of things. I mean, huge. And, um, you know, when you want to be part of something bigger than yourself, Surround yourself with the very, very best. Um, you're going to learn a lot from these people. And um, I encourage everyone to be involved in the association because it is important, because it is your livelihood. And it's in order to stay relevant uh, going forward in the next three, five, ten years, um, you got to be part of it. You got to have a seat at the table. And for whatever brings value for you, get sure. involved as much as the value returns for you. 
it, it can't be a one-way street at the same time. Yes, we volunteer. We're there. We give back. It's fantastic. Not against it whatsoever, as you can tell. <laughs> but on the other side, don't over-volunteer yourself and take away from what brings you those dollars for those life experiences day by day. Sure. And you will learn things that you, you just never expected. Um, I, I've got a few agents that are really heavy into Tom Ferry, mm-hmm. Tom Ferry, Mike Ferry, right? So they go to those conferences and they learn more from the other people around them than they do from the coaching itself. Yeah. I mean, I go to, um, this will be my 18th R4. Um, I go there not for the speakers, not for the concert, but for the people, for the network. I go there to learn from other people that are doing significantly better than myself and to be in that room. So wherever that room may be, you got to be around the, the strongest the players. Yeah. You were asking me before about challenges for agents. Mm-hmm. Unless you're in that room, you don't know what the upcoming challenges are until it's too late, and then you have to pivot like the other 1.6 million. Be part of that small percentage that is part of the conversation, not hearing the aftermath of that conversation. The more involved you are, the more information you have. Knowledge is power. Sure. Um, I always end the uh, uh, podcast on two questions. Uh-oh. Uh, one is, what's your favorite all-time streaming series? Um, and what are you currently watching? Favorite all-time streaming series is probably The Sopranos. I love the I love those mafia shows. Um, the politics behind it kind of reminds me of the association leadership, <laughs> <laughs> except uh, well, nobody's getting killed. Uh, yeah, I was going to say something, but I probably shouldn't. So I won't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know who plays Tony Soprano. Yeah, but, um, I was thinking about that. I'm the protagonist in my own story. Yeah. Um, but The Sopranos, it's timeless. Um, I, you know, I was going to say Seinfeld there as well. I know it's not a streaming series, but... Right. I feel like there's a Seinfeld joke behind every scenario in life. Oh, it's, it's awesome. Like, and everyone has their favorite episode. And Somebody told me the other day, uh, I, I said, giddy up. And they reminded me the the Kramer, right? The mm-hmm. giddy up. Yeah. Um, so I said, okay, I'm going to start a new per, a new persona. I'm going to be, instead of Cosmo Kramer, I'm going to be Yanni Lickstein. There we go. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's a new persona. Changing my handle today. Uh, <laughs> um, and then currently, what am I watching? I've always been a huge fan of power it's on stars um it is streaming through stars it's honestly not the greatest uh, sentiment of a show it's about a family in new york that goes through you know, being their own little drug ring and cartel but i love the power struggles i love the relationships and the and the uh, what's the word i'm looking for the suspense behind those relationships and people having these conversations and and kind of reading between the lines on a scenario that's happening outside because somebody else is listening. Right. So it, it's a very, it's a very neat correlation to life and the relationships that we build every single day have more impact on other people than what we see. So the show shows you not only what the relationship and the conversation is in front of you, but how that impacts people on the other side or behind the scenes, how this conversation drives another tra- conversation and another situation and how people react to that. And it's fun. And there's a lot of crime. There's a lot of violence, a lot of action. And it gets a little hot and heavy sometimes. So Awesome. Love it. Jonathan, where, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at the broker lick. Um, also through my own pod, uh, the noble broker podcast. Um, I'm, I'm mostly active through social profiles. I don't have my own website currently. Uh, hit me on social profiles, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, of course. Um, but, uh, there you go. Don't watch my TikToks. <laughs> uh, I gotta thank you so much, uh, Jonathan for coming in, uh, at pod Populi in South Boca, um, where, uh, 
it's podcasting for the people. Um, but listen, we, uh, you know, we have a lot of fun here, uh, you know, and talking about challenge and obstacles for brokers, for agents, um, going back and understanding, you know, being in that room with um, quite a few, you know, people that are better than yourselves, making a difference, potentially volunteering within the association and continuing to be a good person and uh, be uh, that 34%. Don't be that 66%. So breakfast with the broker every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. We'll see you next week.